Welcome everyone to Balance Your Life Podcast. My name is Megan Farrell and I'm the host of this podcast and the creator of Balance by Megan. On this podcast, we talk about all things yoga, wellness, health, and spirituality with guests from around the world. So grab your crystals, grab your essential oils, and let's dive into it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to another episode of Balance Your Life Podcast. My name is Megan Farrell, and I am the host of the show and the creator of Balance by Megan. Boy, oh boy, do I have a podcast episode for you today. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Zach Beach. Zach is a best selling author and poet, internationally renowned yoga teacher, love coach founder of the Heart Center Love School, and host of the Learn to Love podcast. He is committed to building a world based on unconditional love and connection and believes love is the reason we are here. His mission in life is to cultivate love in every heart and joy in every body, and everything he does is dedicated to helping people lead happier, more loving, and more fulfilling lives. We cover a lot of ground in today's podcast episode. We talk about what it was like for him to have a herniated disc in his back when he was just 20 years old, having his physical therapist recommend yoga as a form of recovery, and having yoga take him on a healing path he never imagined. I feel like that is a trend with these podcast episodes. People start yoga and they go on paths that they never imagined. We also discuss why yoga truly is for everyone, the benefits that yoga and meditation have had on his life wellness and lifestyle tips he incorporates into his life to be happier and healthier, as well as how a beginner can get started on their own personal yoga practice and so much more. I truly, truly mean it, you guys. Zach is a wealth of knowledge. He's incredible at what he does, and we cover so many topics in today's podcast episode. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I wanted to recommend and give a shout out to my absolute favorite CBD company, Nature's Remedy. Right now, they have a May savings of 10% off of all products, including CBD oils, animal tinctures, lavender and vanilla CBD soaps, and CBD topicals. Free shipping with every order over $100. It helps with sleep, anxiety, pain relief, inflammation, overall health, and so much more. This CBD is hemp-derived. There is absolutely no THC, and it's all organic. This product, as of right now, is only available in Canada. You can email me at info at balancebymegan.com for more information and learn how you can place an order. There is a lot of CBD out on the market right now, and truthfully, a lot of it is not good quality stuff. I stand behind Nature's Remedy. It is my absolute favorite CBD. It's pure, it's organic, it's clear, it's everything that you would want in a CBD and nothing that you don't need. So make sure that you guys give me an email and I can advise you how you can place your order. And I wanted to give a shout out to the founders at Feedspot for naming Balance Your Life podcast in the top 30 Canadian lifestyle podcast. You guys can find the article linked using the show notes and you can check out the other podcast recommendations. 
Thank you so much, Feedspot, for naming Balance Your Life in the top 30 Canadian lifestyle podcast. Now, without further ado, please welcome Zach Beach to the Balance Your Life podcast. Welcome to the show, Zach. I'm so excited to have you on. Thanks for having me, Megan. Happy to be here. Can you give our listeners a little bio of who you are and where in the world you are currently joining us from today? Yeah, for sure. Um, My name is Zach Beach. In short, I love love and my work in the world is all around love. And the way that manifests for me is teaching yoga, reading and writing poetry and teaching workshops and trainings all around the world. And I'm talking to you from San Francisco, California. Yeah, this sunny state. You guys have such great (laughs) weather and before COVID hit, there was a few of my friends from California who were like, you have to come down. And then, you know, we're stuck in this pandemic. So I will get there eventually. Oh, yeah, you have to. You have to. I love it living in San Francisco because you can drive two hours in any direction and you're just in incredible nature. To the north, we have the Redwoods. To the right, we have Yosemite and amazing national parks. And then to the south, we have like Big Sur and mountains meeting the ocean. It's just gorgeous. There's so much to explore here. Yeah, it sounds absolutely incredible. So I would love to dive right into your yoga journey. How did you get involved in, I know you teach yoga, but even starting a yoga practice? Yeah, I can start all the way at the beginning, which is what got me into yoga. And I was literally 20 years old at a concert with my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, oh, you need to see better? No problem. I got you. So I just lifted her up. As soon as I did that, I was like, oh, no, I should not have done that. And two hours later, I was in the emergency room with a herniated disc in my low lumbar. And I was like, I'm 20 years old. I should not be in this much pain. I should not be walking around like I'm 80 years old. And then my physical therapist was like, have you ever tried yoga? You should look into it. And I was like, (laughs) yoga, I can breathe and stretch in my own room. Thank you very much. And... And that was really the beginning was literally, remember DVDs, that was my first like yoga experience. And yoga is this incredible gateway drug because I think a lot of people come to it for the physical benefits. They want to get more flexible. They want to get stronger. They want to touch their toes. But then once you get into it, it's just this infinite well of wisdom and tools for personal transformation And I learned so much about myself in the process of yoga. And it was such an important part of my healing path. Yes, now my back is stronger than it ever was before. But it was, of course, the emotional, mental and spiritual transformation that just keeps me doing yoga all day, every day. Yeah, I'm actually so happy you brought this up because I feel like when people come to me, even for privates, I would say like 80% of people are like, I have back pain back pain right and your story is so similar to my husband he has two blown out discs in his lower Mm. lumbar spine and when i had first mentioned to him yoga he was like no not not going to happen and he does his yoga and it's made a world of difference but i mean i know it's different for every person did you do were you like a super physical person that this like herniated disc was like a build-up over time or was it literally like that you just tweaked your back that one time and poof, like it's, it, it's herniated. 
That's a really awesome question because one of the really amazing things that yoga offers is an increase in your own awareness and your own self-awareness. Um, in your life, it makes you aware of certain patterns, mental conditioning that aren't serving you. And absolutely, I really see that injury as this incredible wake-up call is I was on a path that wasn't serving me. And yeah, just anatomically, I was tight. I was stiff as a board. I could not sit cross-legged. I could not touch my toes. And I was going to the gym and I thought of myself as like a fit, active person. And what no one had really told me is that when you strengthen a muscle, it shortens a little bit. Like when the muscle tears, that's how it gets repaired to be stronger, but it also becomes shorter and shorter and shorter in the process. So the general recommendation is that you want to stretch for as much as you strengthen, right? But you don't see the gym, you don't see those big bodybuilders stretching just as much as the lifting weights. And then their arms are like out here and then they can't like scratch that like area on their back. And so absolutely, like my muscles have gotten chronically tight. And if that injury didn't happen, then it was going to happen on another time. Another thing that yoga offers people is just balance. So, you know, you're balanced by Megan. So you know all about balance. So, of course, there's so many ways we can find balance in our lives. We want to make sure we eat well. We want to make sure we sleep well. We want to find a work-life balance. But again, anatomically, my body was so imbalanced. A lot of people get injured when like one part of their body is really strong and really tight and another part of their body is really loose and really weak. And then the strong tight part just pulls on the weak, loose part. So, you know, being a man and living in a world of toxic masculinity, you know, I was looking in the mirror, like doing like bicep curls, like, oh yeah, I'm so strong. And that's like, you know, the, the trying to get the ideal shape that was put onto me by society. And then, of course, if you're only strengthening certain muscle groups, particularly the superficial muscle groups. And I also I always remind people superficial is an, is an anatomical term. It just means towards the surface of the body, like your skin is superficial to your bones. But when you focus more on those superficial muscles, you forget about those deep core muscles that help to strengthen and stabilize your entire body. So absolutely, my core was weak and the muscles protecting my spine were particularly weak. And I was not doing a workout that was finding balance in all the muscle groups in all of the body. So via yoga, I was able to look at, wow, this place is really tight and weak over here. And then I was able to balance all the muscle groups in my body so that I haven't really been injured since. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible and i think the one thing that you had brought up is that you know i feel like so much of our society is such an extreme type of society we either go to the gym and we do fitness and you know we're bodybuilding we're doing all these things these things and we're super strong but we lose that kind of flexibility within our body or on the flip side like i also hear a ton of dancers come to yoga because they're so mm. flexible and so hyper mobile that they have almost no strength in their body. And that also causes them so much injury and so much like back pain. That was the one thing I kept hearing from dancers. I was like, back pain, like you're, you're a dancer, like you're so flexible, but it's because they don't have that strength within them that it's like that it's, there's no balance. Like you were saying. Absolutely. There's so many recovering dancers and gymnasts and elite athletes in yoga. 
And there's a lovely book about power yoga by Beryl Bender Birch. And one of the things that she writes is that exercise does not get you in shape. It gets you out of shape. And I first read that and I was like, what are you talking about? Of course, exercise gets you in shape. But the interesting thing about it is that when you look at most exercise, most sports, it involves the same repetitive motion, often in the same planes of motion and the same joint motions that is going to create imbalance in your body. So obviously, if you're hitting a a ball, like with a bat or a golf club, you're using one side of your body way more than the other one. But even if you're a biker, for example, you're using your leg muscles a lot more than other muscles, you're hunched over your bicycle. So absolutely, like those bicyclists and the runners in my classes have the tightest hips of anyone else in class. And this is why yoga is so good for anybody is because most of the time, if you are an athlete or if you are doing things for your, in your physical, uh, for your physical fitness, you're not targeting all the muscle groups. You're not moving through all the joint motions that you can be. So one of my favorite comments I hear from my students after class is they're like, wow, I'm stretching muscles I didn't even know existed. <laughs> Yeah, it's my absolute favorite. And it's true. You almost, even before somebody comes into your class or at the end of the class, you almost know right away, you're like, that person does a lot of hiking or that person is mm-hmm. definitely a biker because you can just tell by like the hips or how tight the hamstrings are and stuff. But I also wanted to ask you a question about, you said you were going on th- this wrong path when this back injury happened to you. And if you're open to it, I would love to ask you maybe what that path was like and why you think yoga helped kind of redirect you off and into another direction. Yeah, great question. And really, the biggest thing that I was doing wrong was I was not listening to my heart. And I was not living my purpose that I was here on this planet for. And a lot of people are unhappy in their life, and they don't know why. And I kind of liken it to swimming upstream. So you might imagine like a river is flowing, and you're swimming upstream, and two things are happening. One, you're exerting a lot of effort and getting exhausted, and two, you're going nowhere. (laughs) And I was, too, was working a cubicle job for a corporate firm, and I, you know, was sort of like on the path that society says that you should be living. Like, I was climbing up the corporate ladder. I had applications into business school. I was looking at management positions and who was kind of retiring soon. And I had the 401k and I wasn't happy. And I wasn't happy because I wasn't living my purpose. And that was really the shift that yoga uh, did for me is it allowed me to, for the first time in my life, like look within. It's really incredible whenever I teach meditation, like people have sometimes gone their entire life without ever once sitting still for five minutes, closing their, their eyes and tuning into the depths of their being. And yoga, by silencing the mind and opening the heart and getting me in touch with the aliveness at the core of our being, I realized I wasn't living my purpose. So absolutely, I quit my job. um, And the first thing I did was my yoga teacher training. And since then, I have been just following my heart, and it's taking me to places I never would have even dreamed of going to before. I love that so much. And it's one of the things I think people are not expecting when they go to yoga teacher training 
Some people are like, oh, I'm going to learn how to do handstand. I'm going to like become more flexible and do all these things. And it's like you start drinking the Kool-Aid and you just can't stop. And it's I, I know so many people after their teacher training. And this isn't for everyone. Like I do know people who thoroughly enjoyed their jobs and yoga teacher training just opened them to so much more gratitude for what they were doing. But a lot of my friends just were like, I realized like I'm doing something that I absolutely drains my energy and it drains my soul and I think I think there's so much to doing a yoga teacher training and I I think part of me wishes that they would almost rename it because I think when people hear teacher training they think oh I'm you're doing it to become a teacher and some of that is the case and a lot of it is uh, students just want to deepen their practice what sort of shifts did teacher training give you that just doing like a regular yoga class either at a studio or at a gym gave you that you don't think you would have gotten just doing like a regular student studio class yeah i love this question because yoga teacher trainings are really like my personal bread and butter uh, i love leading them and being a part of them and there's a joke we say about meditation that it's not what you think and I also tell people when they come to yoga teacher training that it's not what you think because, yeah, you think you're going to get a piece of paper that allows you to teach yoga in the world. And, of course, you, you will um, if you, if you, if you uh, get to the end of it. But, but really, we're learning to become like whole again. We're learning to become the fullest expression of our being. We're learning to listen to our hearts. And the personal way I love to do yoga teacher trainings is an, an immersion um, there are definitely ways to like do it every weekend for you know a few months in order to get your 200 hours in, but in those three weeks or three and a half weeks in the 200 hour, like to me, it's how human beings are supposed to be living. We're supposed to be living in community, sharing and connecting. And yes, we do yoga, but we laugh and we dance and we cry and we talk about love and life and what it means to be human. And this is and we eat delicious food and we eat together too, right? Like, you know, before COVID, I remember getting an invite to a potluck with some friends. Like, yeah, two weeks from now, we're all going to come here and eat one big meal together. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. But what if every meal we had was together? What if you never felt alone because there was always somebody to talk to? And really, yoga has exploded in the West. And yoga means many different things to many different people. But we always go back to that meaning that it means unity, connection, to come together. And the modern person is disconnected from pretty much everything. We live from our shoulders up. We're disconnected from our hearts and our purpose and our bodies. We're an individualistic society and we're disconnected from each other, from our communities, from our extended family structures. And we're disconnected from the world. We're so disconnected from nature and the land and even where our food comes from. And yoga is our medicine, and we have to come back to it to reconnect to ourselves, to each other, to the world. And I, too, wish like everyone could take a yoga teacher training. And I also think about renaming it because it's so useful and incredible for anyone to take. And it's so transformational. So but until that happens, we'll have to keep the name. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. It's uh, it's just one of those things. And I don't even, I'm like, there's not another name that comes to mind. I'm just like, I feel like that teacher training part throws some people off from like actually taking a teacher training. And even though you can explain it to them, they're like, but I don't want to become a teacher. And 
it's funny how so many people say that. And then I'm like, you see them like months later teaching and they're like, I just have to teach other people how to change their life. And I, I have two, two kind of separate ways I want to take this. The one thing you said about connection and unity, and I think we live in such a great world with technology where, you know, with this pandemic, so much went online. And I personally love being able to do like a yoga class. You know, maybe I can't make five o'clock PM at a studio, but I can do like 4.15 or 4.35 or 12 o'clock. And you know, you can do a 10 minute video online. You can do an hour video. I love that we have that option. But the one thing I was saying to a girlfriend is I hope retreats and trainings come back to in-person. I know there's yoga teacher trainings online and if that's your jam, I think it's amazing, but I don't think I would have gotten what I did out of it if it had been online. Like there's just something so magical about a community and being with other people who are like-minded. And that's one of the things that I hope we get back sooner than later. I think, you know, do, do yoga from the comfort of your home. I'm a big believer in being able to do that. And you know, when the pandemic hit and people are like, oh, I can't, like, if I'm not going to a gym, I'm not working out. And it's like, you have to pivot and adjust, right? You might have to do it from home for the next year until this thing settles down. And th that's not an excuse to not, like, if you can't go to the gym, you can't work out. And that was a little tangent that I took you on, but. <laughs> no, there's, yeah, no, you bring up a lot of very important points. I mean, the first one is that technology presents what is often referred to as the paradox of loneliness. And the paradox is that in theory, we should be more connected than ever before, right? We have these devices, I can pull up my phone and I can text like anybody I've ever met in my entire life instantly. But our subjective feeling of connection has been steadily decreasing over time. And we're like one of the most loneliness, loneliest generations in the hundred years. And so technology hasn't nearly brought like the promises of connection that many people purport that it does. That being said, it has been a big boon in this COVID times because people have been finding ways to connect because we all need to connect. We all, we're all social creatures. We need love. We need to be seen and understood and to connect with others. So it has been really the silver lining is that we have been able to connect on these platforms with other people having, you know, I celebrated Christmas with uh, my family on Zoom. You know, we sent, mailed each other gifts and opened each other gifts and it allowed that possibility of me celebrating Christmas with my parents without accidentally killing them by giving them a deadly disease. But we're all looking forward to the end of this pandemic. We're all looking forward to reconnecting again. And I have this like retreat in my head that's just been waiting to happen. Um, I think I want to call it like the re-embodied retreat in that we need to like re-embody ourselves away from our screens and to just have a retreat of just like massage and acro yoga and yoga and just connection because absolutely we're yearning for it we want it and we need it so once this thing is over like yeah let's we have to come together yeah and no phones you're not allowed to use a phone unless it's for like a scheduled picture <laughs> One of the things that you had brought up is that you were able to really tune into what your life purpose was. And it sounds like that was through the practice of meditation. Were you like excited when you were doing yoga, like meditation came up for you and you're like, yeah, this sounds amazing. I want to do it. 
or was meditation one of those things that you were like a little resistant to? And the only reason I ask that is I feel like people go two way, two ways. They're either, they love the idea of meditation and they either practiced it before they did yoga or it came up within their yoga teacher training or they're just like, like, nope, I'm not doing, like, I was one of those people. I was like, there's no way that I'm meditating. I'm, it's not happening. I'm not sitting. And I had this misconception that it would be like an hour in a dark room chanting OM all the time. And I was like that, nope, like not happening. I like the physical aspect of yoga. And it's funny now that I say like meditation to me is like, it's almost more important than like my physical yoga practice. I'm obsessed with meditation, mm. but how, how did that journey unfold for you? Were you super into it or were you kind of like really resistant to it and just fell in love with the practice? Yeah, it's an interesting question because just this past weekend, I taught eight hours of yoga history. And I went through the Vedas and the Upanishads and the Gita and the Hatha Yoga Pradipika and other sacred texts and kind of carved out the path that yoga has taken in order to become the modern practice that it is today. And just on a personal level, I was like, I know about this stuff. How did this even happen? Because how do I know about, like, when did I start reading the Gita? And absolutely, yoga was this gateway to a plethora a litany of spiritual practices and it exposed me to so much that I never would have gotten to. So I'd probably heard of meditation before. I think a lot of people know like meditation is something that is good and it's something that they should do, but they don't. And at the same time, to me, yoga is a meditation. Yoga is like a moving meditation. And when you read Patanjali's sutras, you see that three of the eight limbs, dharana, dharana, and samadhi, are just types of meditation. So yeah, 2,000 years ago, meditation was three-eighths of yoga, essentially. And then asana was one-eighth, right? And we've magnified that one-eighth. So now that people think that's all that yoga is, and then you can do yoga with goats and, and beer yoga and disco yoga and all these things, because yoga is just the asana. But yoga is absolutely that that concentrated present moment focus of what is happening in the here and now. And it was my gateway to meditation, absolutely, because I started doing more yoga and I was like, wow, like my mind is becoming clear. I can stay in Shavasana for longer periods of time. For the first year, like my back hurt in Shavasana. And then after like that, I was like, wow, I can relax, right? Which ties into almost the original purpose of the asana practice was to prepare the body for meditation. So doing the practice, my mind became more calm, my mind became more disciplined, the monkey mind became less, and sort of a meditative state more naturally happened. I started to sit for one minute after practice and then sit for two minutes and then rest in the stillness for three and four and five minutes. And I was like, wow, this is really incredible. And I say this phrase and I don't want to sound like egoistic that I'm very wise right now, but I do see my path as like a, a fool who persists in his folly eventually becomes wise. And that the only thing I can lay claim to is just an, a curiosity that has propelled me forward. I've loved learning about the practice. I love reading anything I can get my hands on. And so too, when I started reading about yoga, I started learning about the nature of the self, nature of the mind, nature of the ego, and how meditation can pierce the veer, the the veils of illusion to discover like our true nature and that 
you know, all points back to meditation, sitting still, noticing the mind and finding peace in the here and now. I resonate with all of that so much. It was something that I remember like the third day in my teacher training and I came to yoga for the physical aspect of it. I wanted to get toned. I wanted to get in better shape. And I noticed during my meditate or my meditation, my yoga, like asana practice that, you know, my mind would quiet throughout periods of time, but I didn't really associate that with meditation. It was just like, Oh, look at that. Like I had a problem before I got on my mat, I did yoga and now I have this super simple solution that I don't think I would have seen if I was, Mm. hadn't done that. And I just remember being like the third day in teacher training, we did a meditation practice. And then I was like, nope, like that horse that was like, I'm not going to the, to the water. Like it's not <laughs> happening. And they, we did a meditation and I remember just bawling afterwards mm. and saying to, we did a circle just to share what our experience had been like. And I said, it was like the first time that my mind shut up. It was the first time that I wasn't negative to myself or this monkey mind that was just like going and yammering. And I had moments of that in yoga, but it was that meditation practice that it was like, it actually shut up. And that's when I realized I was like, there is so much to this. This is amazing. And I need to dive more into this. Yeah, that's really powerful. It's amazing what comes up once we release our tension, resistance to the way things are. Like so much of our emotions are repressed and stuffed down. And once we release it, first, the tears come. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, and then there's the relief afterwards. I I cried all through my 200 hours. Like I'm pretty sure there wasn't one day. (laughs) The teachers used to come in and before anything would happen, they just like, put a box of Kleenex beside my mat. Like, we know she's going to cry. It's fine. <laughs> it was a lot of work's coming. Yeah, it's just, it, but like so therapeutic. And I know we're not supposed to say that word, but it was. Uh, <laughs> what's, um, do you have a favorite form of meditation that you practice? Does it kind of flow and is it fluid with what you need throughout the day? Or are you, are you very rehearsed in one form of meditation? I do like to bring in a lot of different, Uh, varieties of spiritual practices into my own life. Even earlier when you were talking about, you know, did I know meditation before yoga? And even now I do like to bring some of the subtlest movements to my meditation practice. Like I love to meditation with a a mala uh, necklace. And even that like little subtle movement of moving the bead with each breath, I feel like really helps me and is conducive to a more serene meditation practice. And just yesterday, somebody taught me uh, taking your thumb to either your pointer finger or your middle finger with each breath. And then when you do pointer finger, you say, what is it? Oh, my gosh. It's like aware and allow. And notice, but yeah, basically notice and allow. Notice and allow. Notice and allow. But I always like learning uh, more. And... So even right now, I'm literally enrolled in in a 10-week online mindful self-compassion meditation course, which was developed by a couple of researchers, one by the name of Christian Neff, whose work is a lot around self-compassion. 
So like I took a eight week compassion cultivation training just for general compassion like years ago and I integrated a lot a lot of that into my own practice. But yeah, literally for the next 10 weeks, I'll be focusing on mindful self-compassion. So applying mindfulness and compassion to oneself. And it's really good so far. Awesome. Yeah, I love that so much. And I love that you're so open to trying different meditations because I think even like the I, I love the mala beads and I think for a lot of people who say they say they can't shut the monkey mind off and there's no way that they can sit there and meditate. I'm always like, use the mala because at least you feel like it, you're doing something, right? Like even if it's that small little movement of moving the bead as you go through the mala, it just gives this idea that you're doing something. And it's, I mean, like my, I myself am rehearsed in like seven different styles. So I kind of get when people are like, no, no, no. Like there's only one way to meditate. I'm like, mm, no, there's not. Like there's different styles perhaps. And you might enjoy one a little bit more. Or you might like practice one a little bit more. But, you know, for some people, one style, maybe like breath meditation, they need more of like a guided meditation where somebody's telling them exactly what to do. And I'm a big believer that you're getting the same benefits from it, whether it's, you know, meta meditation or breathing meditation or guided meditation or Vipassana meditation. I love the idea of exploring different meditations, but for the student who's like, Oh, you know, I can't shut my brain off. I'm like, try one. Don't write it off too. If you're like, nope, didn't work. Like I'm not doing it again. I'm like, give it a few days, see if it works. And if you truly, truly don't like it, try another style. Yeah. Maybe try the mala necklace where you're, where you're essentially doing something other than just meditating. Yeah. It's so interesting to me how much like a spiritual practice is a bit of a paradox. So I remember I had one teacher and they were like, never give up and completely let go never give up and completely let go because our practice is a disciplined consistent steady approach right we have to return to our meditation cushion our yoga mat every single day while simultaneously non-attachment releasing any attachment to the outcome so I always find this dichotomy when talking about and helping students with meditation because you do want to find what works for you because a lot of people will tell you to focus on the breath and the breath is a really wonderful and incredible tool, but the breath doesn't work for everyone. So if someone doesn't resonate with the breath, I say, okay, try sounds, try mantra, try the malabi, try concepts that resonate with you. However, there's that also spiritual teaching that like for a lot of people, they're digging for water and they dig six feet down and they don't find any water and they dig six feet down over here and they don't find any water and they find a new spot and they don't find any water. And you do have to go deep into a practice, push through the resistance that you're experiencing in order to really gain the riches of the practice itself. So there are a lot of folks who do bounce around a little too much <laughs> and they're like, they're like, oh, this didn't work. This didn't work. I'm not enlightened yet. This <laughs> let me try a different, different technique. But so once you find the technique that mostly works for you, um, then you really have to stick with it and go deep with it. So hopefully, like sitting upright works for you. But if you need a back jacket, you need to lie down. You know that 
some people have hip problems, back problems. They can't sit up upright uh, on the floor. It doesn't matter finding out what works. But after that, then you have to bring the discipline, the tapas, the gumption, the sadhana. You have to keep at it consistently for a long period of time, never giving up and completely letting go. Yes. Yes. To all of that. I would love to know, do you have any other wellness rituals that you incorporate either in your daily life or, you know, maybe on a month to month basis? Absolutely. Sometimes even when I'm doing like a workshop on self-love, I'll go to the step on spiritual practice and I'll remind people that your, your spiritual practice is something that you can do every day. And there are other practices that you can do every week. There are other practices you can do every month and still others you can do every year. All right. So every year you might fast, right, for a day or a week or maybe even 10 days if you're really into it. But you can't fast every day. That would just be bad. <laughs> but absolutely, like on the daily, I try to meditate and absolutely do yoga. Um, there's like no question about it. Even if I've done yoga in airport corners and hotel lobbies and hostel lobbies and behind the couch next to them in my friend's house and because it's something I absolutely have to do. And then weekly, you know, what are things we can apply to my practice? Like I, I need to read something, some sacred text, some spiritual scripture that I resonate with. I don't go to church myself, but there are other thought leaders and teachers that I like have to listen to. Monthly, I have to go to nature, right? I have to go on retreat. If it's just a day long and I can spend hiking, that's enough. But I love being outdoors. And if I can bring the, the tent and the camping bag, that can work too. And then on a yearly, I have to do some retreat, like either maybe seven days or a 10 day, 10 day retreats and 10 day silent retreat can be really wonderful to have. So, and then tying into like the beginning of your question, like self care and wellness that's every minute of every day right taking care of yourself is sometimes like a full-time job like you have to eat well sleep well not get stressed out walk in nature make sure you're breathing deeply practicing mindfulness in the moment that's a lifestyle right? wellness is a lifestyle it's something you choose to bring into your life every day getting better at it as you go on in your life yeah, I resonate with all of that so, so much. And I'm sure with COVID and everything, that yearly retreat has been missed greatly. But it's, uh, I mean, I really feel like COVID has taught us so much. And some of it great, some of it not good. You have to kind of have that yoga mindset about it. I mean, sometimes I think that COVID is like a forced retreat. <laughs> like it's a very non-consensual retreat. But there's a, there's been tons of silver linings for a lot of people. You know, I don't even know the introverts are like, yay, like I want to stay inside forever. But it has been a really wonderful opportunity to turn within and to stick with one's practice. And this is why I'm, I'm really happy I do yoga, a thing that doesn't require a big gym in order to uh, be able to do. But I hope that people take advantage of like the no distractions because people are like, oh, I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to yoga. I don't have time to kick it to myself. I got to I have, you know, hang out with friends. I have this party and this birthday party to go to. You have no social obligations. There's nothing happening right now. So might as well read a book, sit on your yoga mat, listen to your breath, 
And as I remind people all the time, lots of things are closed down. The outdoors is not closed down. Nature doesn't close down. Now, some people are in like lockdown, like they can't leave like more than five miles from their house. Um, but if you aren't in a physical lockdown, the outside is not closed down. Yeah, no, I agree with all of everything that you're saying. I, I couldn't agree more with you. And it's my favorite is when people are like, I don't have time to meditate. Like, are you on Instagram? Are you on TikTok? <laughs> Do you have Facebook? You have time to meditate. It's like, it can be 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be an hour long. But if you're scrolling on Instagram, I promise you, you have time to meditate. And it's it's way better for you than scrolling ever can be. Yeah, the studies are really incredible because if you ask anybody how much time they spend on their phones, watching television, on their laptops, going through news and mindless things, they consistently and always incredibly underestimate the time. They're like, oh, I look at my phone five times a day for maybe an hour. It's like, no, you look at your phone 50 times a day for two hours. And meanwhile, I find meditation is like the opposite because you're like, man, I've been meditating for like five hours at least. And you look and it's been 30 seconds. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> or like, why am I not enlightened? I've been doing this for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading this study in, do you know who Jay Shetty is? Yeah, this is like the think like a monk guy. The think like a monk guy, yeah. yeah. And in his book, he was saying how there was a study done. I can't remember which university, but they took so many uh, applicants and they put them in the room and said, you know, you have the choice to kind of sit with your thoughts and just be with your thoughts. Or, you know, you can use your phone, but we're going to like shock you if you want to use your phone. And it was, there were, it was like an astronomical amount of people who refused to sit for like, it was like six to 15 minutes in silence. Instead, they chose to get shocked just so that they could look at their phone. And that's so sad. Like it, it's amazing to me, even too, like I'll go out and about it. You know, if you go to like a restaurant, I mean, if you go to a restaurant pre-COVID, not so much now, or if you're in an airport or something and, you know, if someone leaves the table, it's amazing how many people like pick up their phone and just like talk, sit and talk on it. Or even when people are sitting down, they're having dinner together and people are on their phone and you're like, I, when did we get to this point of just constantly needing to have our phones in our hands rather than just observing, sitting down, watching other people, watching the world go by. Like, it's just so crazy to me. It is crazy. <laughs> um, for anyone who is starting out on their practice, or maybe they just really like everything that you've said, you know, they're really struggling with what their purpose is. They're maybe feeling high anxiety or high stress. What is one tip that you would give to someone starting out on their quote unquote spiritual journey? Would it be to start with a meditation practice? Would you suggest maybe getting into yoga first and seeing how that unwinds for them? So what's my advice to someone like, who's like, I should try out spirituality. Like, what? <laughs> or if someone's like, you know, I know yoga sounds good, but I would, I don't even know where to start. Hmm. There's so many different ways I could answer this question. I'm just going to go with a really simple one. And I have this because I have this agenda in the yoga world. And that's that most beginner yoga is not beginner's yoga. Even I'll go to beginner's class and they'll be like, okay, everyone, take your vinyasa. And then you look around and people are doing push-ups that you can't even do because you can't touch your toes and your triceps aren't strong enough. So when I say like, so 
if you're starting out to yoga, because so many people go to one yoga class and it's too advanced and they think that yoga is not for them. And I highly encourage you to find like a beginner's beginner's yoga class or maybe even get a teacher to give you a private lesson perfectly catered to your own needs. And I speak about this from experience because I was like two feet away from my toes when I started. And I remember like my first class, the teacher was like, lift your, like you were standing up and just lift your right leg up as high as you can. And mine was like six inches off of the ground. And then we were all sitting cross-legged and the teacher was like, yeah, just find peace and calm right here in the now. And like my knees are up to my shoulders and my things are rounded and I'm so uncomfortable <laughs> and in pain. I'm like, I'm not finding peace and calm right now. So like even for me, like you look at my Instagram, I'm doing like handstands and stuff. And I've gone a very long way on this path because my body loves being tight. My muscles, if I sit down for an hour, my muscles will be like, oh, time to be tight again. And so for me, like my initial yoga practice was like breathing for 10 minutes, doing 10 minutes of arm circles, like literally just taking my arm forward, up and back with the breath, forward, up and back with the breath, doing like two poses <laughs> and then Shavasana. <laughs> so if you, so yeah, you should take a class, find some teachers and make sure you have like beginners, beginners yoga. If you're feeling like people are more advanced than you, you probably just haven't found the right class. Um, there are classes out there for you. And if you think you're not flexible enough to do yoga, that's like saying you're too dirty to take a bath. Uh, you have to start now. I'm speaking from experience. You don't want to get injured later on. A lot of people herniate their disc just by leaning over and picking up a piece of paper. Like it doesn't even need to be like picking up a load or getting into a car accident or something because the body gets tight. We need to move our body for it to be healthy, particularly our spine. So you're never too late, never too old, never too inflexible to do yoga and start slow. I feel like that was a mic drop worthy <laughs> moment there because I'm such oh, a this big... mic is expensive. I'm not gonna drop it. <laughs> we'll just like add in a little sound effect right there. It's uh I it, exactly what you're saying. I think the breath is so important. And when people hear that they're like, well I know how to breathe and you're like, but do you know how to breathe? And I remember being in a class once and doing like a like a three part breath. And not me, the teacher was doing a three-part breath. And one of the girls saying like, I don't know how to do that. And it was, and I'm sure A, as a moment, it was very embarrassing for her to, to say and be like, it, I promise you there were more people in that class who were like, I have no idea how to breathe into my belly and ribs. Like that makes absolutely no sense <laughs> to me. And it's that one little thing can change so, so, so much. Absolutely. Like that's one of the first things almost all students need to learn is to relearn how to breathe. It's incredible. Like you look at babies, they're incredible diaphragmatic belly breathers. Like their bellies are expanding in and expanding out. Like they're so good at it. But as we get older, we lose it. We get tight. You know, we live in a society that says a big belly is not a good thing. So what do we do? We suck it in. The breath moves into the chest, moves into being shallow. And that's not only one of the things we have to start with when it comes to yoga, but it takes time. 
It's not going to relearn uh, how to breathe in five minutes if you've been breathing incorrectly for the past 20 years of your life. Yeah. And that's it's a wonderful place to start. Even right now, you could sit down and breathe for five minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Zach, this has been a really fun conversation. Before I send people to check out all your offerings and to connect with you, we have a very simple five-question bonus round. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Question number one is, what is a book, podcast, or resource that has brought you value and you want to share with the audience? One book. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about the sacred texts, so I'll give you two options, either the Gita, Bhagavad Gita, or the Tao Te Ching. Buy one of them, get like a pocket guide, keep it with you, come back to it, read a passage, meditate on it, keep it going. Yeah, awesome. Question number two is, who is your favorite person or influencer to look up to for inspiration? You know, lately I have been returning again and again to the Vietnamese teacher and monk Thich Nhat Hanh. I've been reading so many of his books and his meditations and I just love his way of being in the world. Yeah, I was literally just talking about him the other day. So such divine timing. <laughs> Question number three is, what are you grateful for today? Life. <laughs> Love it. Number four. Yeah, it really, truly is. And question four, I'm really curious about this, is what is your spirit animal? Oh, uh, I have a few, but my main one's a monkey. I have a monkey tattoo also. I love it. My final question for you is, what is your favorite form of self-care to practice? Mm. Sleep. <laughs> it's so underrated. I, I talk about sleep all the time. I just think it's so underrated. Yeah, I remember after class one time, the student came up to me and was like, the first question she asked is like, do you sleep on a piece of wood? <laughs> I was like, wow, what have you read? Or like, what do you think about yoga? Like that, you, you know, she's like, and then I was like, no, I sleep on a bed. And she was like, what mattress do you recommend? And at the time I was like, I have no idea, but I kind of looked into it. And the, the main theory is that what matters less than like your posture and your sleep or the type of mattress is that you are sleeping is that you want a bed where you can get a comfortable night's sleep. And we live in a world where the hustle and the grind is encouraged and people lose out on the most essential aspect of our lives and that we need sufficient sleep in order to function. Yeah. Okay. Podcast part two, we're just going to dive into the power of sleep because it's <laughs> something I'm really passionate about and I feel like I could talk forever about it. Zach, this has been so much fun. If people want to connect with you, maybe they want to go on a retreat with you or just follow you on Instagram. Where can everybody go and find you? Yeah, I'm super easy to find. My name is Zach Beach. You can go to ZachBeach.com. That's Zach with an H-Z-C-H. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Zach Beach Love. I love it so much. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Cool. Thanks, Megan. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you give it a five-star rating and review. It takes two moments of your time and truly does make a difference in growing this community and showing support for the show. 
make sure to stop by and say hi on social media, take a screenshot of this episode, tag our guest, tag me, and hashtag the show, hashtag BYL podcast, share it out on your Instagram stories so that we can share it out on ours, and I will make sure to slide into your DMs to say hello. Until next Monday, everyone, I can't wait to see you then. Namaste.